That's all right. Three amigos ride again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And John is definitely Zach Sanchez of that group. (laughs) I'll take that. Welcome. This is John and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing lovely. Great. Good. Good. So, what do you guys think of the uh, the uh, sudden cutting of uh, Aguayo? I'll start with you, John. Uh, good for them for cutting their losses. That's the the hardest thing for professional teams to do is say, "Hey, we messed that one up. We might have been wrong." So, I get respect for them for that, even if the original decision was dumb. I agree. I mean, they, they, they traded up. They lost several draft picks for a kicker who ended up being, you know, I totally forgot moderately okay. Too. I totally forgot they traded up for it, too. That's such a, that's so stupid. Yep. Second round, traded <laughs> up for a kicker. Just had to leapfrog all those teams that were like, all right, Roberto is top of our board. We got we to gotta jump on that. Yep. And, uh, Brad, what do you think of that? Mr. Kicker well, I kind of agree. I kind of agree with with John. You know, it, it, it's commendable that they were like, "Hey, this was a terrible idea. We screwed up." But on the other hand, <laughs> um, yeah, you, you you, I am probably you know the world's biggest fan of kickers, and even I wouldn't trade more than one pick in the seventh round to get, move up into the top of the seventh round to get a kicker. You know, it's just, you don't do that. There are so many of them, you know, there are, there are like 400 college teams. Each of them have a kicker. There are, um, you know, 32 NFL teams. There are only 32 kicking jobs available. There are plenty of people to choose from who can kick and apparently who can kick better than Aguayo. I don't know if if he's just not any good. I don't know if the Bucks ruined him by overinflating his confidence by drafting him, you know, so high trading up for him. Uh but he has a the bad case of the yips, as we like to say. Well, that's what I was gonna uh, say. Yeah. Uh I don't know if it's permanent or not. I don't know if there's any hope for him to to recover it. Um <clears throat> excuse me, but I I do commend Tampa for for cutting their losses, but you know it, it's it's a sad situation all around, especially for Aguayo because now he's in Chicago and he's probably going to suck even more. Or we could use the joke that everybody else is using and say that the wind will blow his kicks straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to get plenty of practice if for um, you know being a part of John Fox's offense, so <laughs> he will have opportunity to turn his career around. And shout out to everybody on the internet who made that joke first. Um, can we put the odd, what, what do you think the odds are that Tampa Bay drafts his younger brother because he's supposed to be better than Roberto in like two years whenever he comes out? Uh, can we go ahead and put that as guaranteed to happen? That would be that's so pretty funny. Much, yes. I'd, I'd bet money on that. Like, you I, I would bet money on that. For, you go for strike two. I would, I would um, gain so much respect for Tampa Bay if they just, just for, just for the fun of it, just like, hey, the first Aguayo was bad. 
they can't both be bad, right? Just I no. would respect the the brashness of it. And the funny I thing mean, about it, the whole um the whole like trading up for him thing was was uh the Panthers just to put it in perspective, the Panthers traded what like a fourth round pick or something like that for Andy Lee. Yeah. Who is historically already one of the better punters in the NFL? I mean, the guy has season-holding records as for punting uh, average over the and that net punting average. So the Panthers gave that up for one of the better punters in the NFL, and the Bucks gave up several picks for a second-round pick kicker who didn't end up working out for them after a year's worth of time. Never kicked so, in NFL football. You have no idea how yep. good he's going to be. They're different footballs. Exactly. That. Yep. Well, he was good enough to beat us, so. Didn't he uh, just kick against us, too, though? He did. He, I think <laughs> the only field goal he made all year was the game winner in the game against us. I remember, uh, I remember thinking, like, maybe he won't suck anymore because that might be a good confidence booster. And I was yeah, 100% incorrect. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of people who don't suck anymore or people who don't suck, let's talk about some uh, Panthers training camp here. They all um, suck. You know, let's not be that negative <laughs> to start the season off. I mean, like, it, it it was rough last year, but there's there's some there's still some good stuff there. No, I, um, I don't think it was a good training camp in all seriousness. So I'm gonna start with uh, Brad here. Um, we're gonna go around and give our our offensive players of the camp picks here. So Brad, who who did you like the most on the offensive side of the ball for training camp? I'm going to take the easy way out and also prevent the two of you from doing it. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey. Okay, uh, <laughs> he always anyway. does this every time, every time takes the easy way out. All right. I see. Yeah. How but you know, Christian McCaffrey proved that he was worth the eighth pick overall. I mean, he, he showed that he can, he can run between the tackles. He can split out wide. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He, he put Luke Keekley on roller skates. You know, I mean, it's not like he put, third string practice squad guy for the the bears on on skates he did it to luke keekley who's an all-pro linebacker he's the real deal uh panthers fans are going to be really happy with what what we have in him and just to not take the easy way out to prove that brian is wrong when he says that i always take the easy way out uh, i will also say that demir bird was very impressive Still um, and then you take the obvious pick for the underdog. Yeah. Still, <laughs> easy way out. Still, easy take way both out. of my top two choices. I guess we're in agreement then, though. It's, uh, they're both both were the, the stars of camp on the offensive side. Well, go go ahead, John. Tell us about Damier Bird, because I'm not going to let BW take that away from you. Okay. Well, one thing <laughs> from training camp that uh, we learned, his name is Demir, not Damier. Because uh, if you want somebody to sign your autograph for you, uh, you should probably know how to say their name. At least if that's his name's not Brenton Burson, so I don't care. <laughs> well, it's fine. But like, we, we Brad was there for that part. People were trying to get his autograph because he's like the only guy that came near us, and they're like, "Damien Year, Damien Year." Like, he's not gonna. That's not his name. He's not gonna sign your your hat. I still believe that's the reason he left because <laughs> he got tired of hearing people spell or pronounce his name wrong. I would too. Um, yeah, I would too. I wouldn't sign anything anything for anybody that called me Damien. I would. That's I would like dumb quiz anybody over the age of like 10 like what's my first name and if you don't know my first name i'm not i'm just throwing your memory really back in your face um but uh i i thought i don't know it's just it's nice to see him show up a lot i saw him yesterday make a couple nice yeah yesterday or saturday when i was there this past weekend he made a bunch of nice plays 
Um, with everybody throwing him the ball, too, he's made not just Joe Webb like we saw in the preseason, but Cam was finding him. Derek Anderson was finding him. Uh, he's fast. He gets open. And he I don't remember seeing him drop any passes. He, like, he was reliable catching punts and catching passes. So um, I'm excited for him to make the team. I think he'll actually be active on game days from a special teams perspective and his receiver ability. And I think he's actually – like all he – He's got his NFL skills, his speed. Doesn't need anything else. Take yep, exactly. The only question is with with Bird, if he's going to make the active roster on game day, who's going to who's going to lose their spot? Um, you know, the one thing that that's held him back is we have just too many people. Yeah. Um, you know, and on the wide receiver end, we have um, you know we have Benjamin, we have Funchess, we have Russell Russell Shepard. The, can't say that properly. Russell Shepard. Uh, we also have Curtis Samuel. Uh, and, you know, we generally don't carry more than four on game day. So uh, I do think Bird should be one of the guys who, who plays uh, on Sundays. But um, it depends on how many receivers the Panthers carry, obviously. Um, Joe Webb is going to warrant an uh, active game day spot simply because of his special teams play. So hypothetically speaking, I would probably say like if the Panthers do keep six receivers, it'd probably be Burson if they decide to keep bird, yes. which saddens me to say, obviously. Um, but bird definitely brings a bit more to the table there. I will. Um, my thing is, go ahead. Uh, we're bad, bad question. Uh, if Samuel doesn't get healthy, it's a pretty obvious, uh, pretty seamless transition for bird to step in. Cause I feel like they have similar skill sets and similar roles within the offense. In terms of the, the speed, the vertical and horizontal speed from the slot and outside. So if Samuel doesn't get healthy anytime soon, I think Bird's kind of the, the easy fill in there. Don't really lose a lot in terms of the skills at the table, even if he's not quite as good as Curtis Samuel's supposed to be. Yeah, I think one other way they could they could use um, Alex Armise, both the fullback and tight end, because he played tight end in college. I think he played every position except quarterback in college at some point or another, you know, we can only put uh, Greg Olson and Ed Dixon as two tight ends. And we could, instead of having a third tight end like Manhurts or Simonson or whoever ends up getting that job, you know, Demir Bird could take that spot and we could use Alex Armaz's flexibility to play either fullback or tight end uh, to kind of fill two roles with one, per- one person. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure Armaz on special teams too. I haven't, I didn't notice in the game, but, I would. I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the special teams units. Yeah, he's he's definitely a project player. Um, to give you my offensive player, since you guys both took the obvious choices, well, that's what you um, get for asking us first. Yeah, I would say Taylor Moten would be the guy that impressed me the most, aside from those two guys, because he was the primary backup to Andrew Norwell in the first preseason game. He did pretty well as a left guard, and then they shifted him out to right tackle for the preseason game, and he didn't do too bad then either. So I think the Panthers found themselves a swing tackle with uh, Moten. That's a very – Well, I have a question. I have a question for you, Brian. Why are you accusing me and John of taking the easy way out (laughs) when you picked the other most hyped rookie that we have on the roster? Well, first of all, the second most hyped rookie on the roster is definitely Curtis Samuel, despite the fact that he hasn't practiced. And second of all, he's an offensive lineman, and we know that – Offensive linemen are a problem for Carolina, specifically tackles. So that's why I picked him. So, you know, okay, come at me all you want, but <laughs> I had to. I had to make a choice there. Hey, I think it's if I could have just, 
I could have just re I could have just redid your words and said what I wanted to about Christian McCaffrey, but I didn't because I'm trying to bring some good content to this podcast. So there. What is your opinion on Christian McCaffrey? Is he good? Christian McCaffrey is a freak, and I haven't seen a player like that in Carolina my entire time as a fan. The the closest thing that I have to that is D'Angelo Williams, and even then. Williams is not nearly the receiver that Christian McCaffrey is. That guy is going to be really good. Williams, I feel, is also a lot more linear than McCaffrey is in terms of like his athleticism. Like good straight line speed, breakaway speed, but not nearly the like stop and start, cut back and forth, wiggle that McCaffrey has. Unless I'm misremembering yeah, his early days. Yeah, he stops on a dime. He yeah. stops on a dime. Like he. I don't care, like, a lot of people are going to say, like, oh, well, Luke Keekley on that one-on-one drill would have corralled him in for, you know, an inside tackle, but there aren't many players who make Luke Keekley look stupid on a one-on-one drill, and he did that, so. That I honestly good. think people saying that Luke Keekley would have destroyed him, they are not fully seeing what Christian McCaffrey did, because, you know, yeah, Luke could have dove if he really wanted to, but I don't think he would have made the play. I think he would have missed him. Yep. I, I think McCaffrey was that shifty. I think that he evaded that no matter what Luke Keekley would have done, you know, McCaffrey was going to get out of it. Yep, the kid is definitely shifty. And bringing up Luke Keekley, we're going to – let's talk about some of the defensive players that we're excited about. So – uh John, I'll go to you first. Uh, who would you say was the most intriguing player that you saw on, de- on the defensive side of the ball in a training camp? Um, just We're going to go real deep in the roster and mention the starting cornerback, James Bradbury. Real deep, real yeah. deep. I like it. David Newton. The deep oh, dive. David Newton, everybody's favorite Panthers writer, uh, called him his training camp MVP. And as I normally do, I agree with David Newton. Um, it's just it's nice to hear. I know our receiving core isn't isn't challenging for the best in the NFL, but he locks down everybody, and he is. I'm excited for it. I mean, it's like we have such a wide array of skill of skill at the receiver position. They might not be good, but we have like the behemoth and Benjamin, and then the speed and bird and stuff. And he sticks with everybody in every situation. So maybe we don't need Josh Norman anymore. Ooh. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. Okay. Um, BW, who's your, uh, who was your guy? I am really big on Deshaun Hall. I think he's going to be a surprise to a lot of people who probably don't expect much from him because he's a rookie. Uh, I, I think he is – I don't want to use this person as a comparison, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh <laughs> I think he's going to be better than Greg Hardy was for Carolina. And he's not going to be the off-field problem that Greg Hardy was. I would hope not. That's a tough bar to clear, the Greg Hardy off-field issues. Yeah. I also don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but I think he's also going to be just as good, if not better, than Miles Garrett. Oh, that's pretty high. That's lofty. Wow. That is a very lengthy one. I, I think, honestly, one of the reasons that he was drafted as low as he was is because people were focused on Miles Garrett too much. Um, but Deshaun Hall is really, really good. Well, I hope you're right. 
I mean, he's had a good camp. He had a few what would have been sacks against the Panthers quarterbacks. Thankfully, he didn't actually hit them and hurt them. So Send a message. Um, drill the quarterback in practice. Just, just, yeah, just to make, exactly. him, make him feel you. Make him understand that you're there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my guy would probably be Michael Adams, honestly, because I saw Michael Adams being signed, and I said, that's, you know, that's pretty close to what Roman Harper was. But what I'm seeing from this guy in camp, that guy is a ball hawk, and he's got a pretty good athletic He's got a pretty good athletic skill set, despite the fact that he's like what thirty four. I say or I something like that. that. I think unlike he's thirty six. Unlike Roman Harper, he probably runs a sub five forty at this point in his career. This yeah, guy, he also doesn't like look he's, like he's eighty five, like Roman Harper. <laughs> Roman he plays like he's in his early. He's he's in his like mid twenties, and I'm just like I'm awed by that. And so you got Kurt Coleman now, who is in. <clears throat> one of his prime contract years as far as uh, getting extended. And now Michael Adams is coming around and balling too. Those two guys are going to be pretty good together, in my opinion. Like, Michael Adams has surprised me quite a bit because I expected him to be more of a, like, a run support guy, more of a, like, up on the line of scrimmage, make a tackle type guy, but not so much a ball hawk. But all I've seen in camp is him making, like, these athletic interceptions off the tips. Adams has impressed me. He really has. I also, but, uh, I also like hearing that he's the people are. Uh, Saul McCaffrey tweeted a picture of him sitting there listening to Mike Adams talk, and said, uh, "When the old guys basically said, when the old guys talk, you listen." So he's got that veteran presence that Harper had, and hopefully he'll be better on the field than Harper was. Uh, yeah, well, and he's definitely been around for a while. He has like Adams has been. Adams has been through multiple teams. He was with the Broncos. He was with the Colts. He was with the team between that. You know, the guy has started and done well with multiple teams. So clearly he's not a scheme guy in the sense that you have to have the right scheme for him to, su- to succeed. So that's always good. Um, I will say, I want to throw in one one little thought here because uh, I see this all the time. Um, somebody posted about the training camp MVPs, and basically every comment was like, oh, no, they're doomed. Um, I hate football superstitions, and I hate people thinking they're curses. Uh, just because somebody gets called a training camp MVP by some writer that I, the player will never hear, uh, it is by no means a uh, dooming, a damning of their season. Usually, right. the reason they usually are, the reason the uh, training camp MVPs flame out is because it's usually a bad player that's surpassing their uh, floor, bottom level expectations. So it's like, oh, this ninth wide receiver is actually not as terrible as we thought. So it's like, oh, training camp MVP. And then it's shocking when he doesn't make the team. It's because like he was never going to make the team to begin with. The people that we've been talking about, like they're good. Them being training camp MVPs will not make them less good. Yeah, and plus right. the curse only happens if Ron Rivera says it. It doesn't matter if David Newton says it. It's only when Ron says it. I'm sure it's uh it probably goes to their head. It does. Just... It it Ron Rivera is the witch doctor in this <laughs> scenario. So just... as long as he doesn't say it, there's no curse. So yeah, that was my, my thing I've seen a lot of on training camp MVPs. Uh, training camp MVPs are actually not a bad thing. It's okay for somebody to be good at football in training camp. I know that's kind of a hot take, but that's my I'm sticking to it. And uh, while we're on the uh, topic of uh, Bradbury, um, or we were on the topic of Bradbury, um, 
So he is very similar to Josh Norman as far as his skill set goes. And uh, we've seen that Bradbury has uh, has had some great practices against Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, you know, even though those guys are both taller and stronger than him. And I can't help but think that he is further along than Josh Norman was at this time in his career. And it's, it's a good thing to see, obviously. But uh, what do you guys think? Like, is Bradbury going to be a better corner than Norman is right now? Brad, you already yeah, shared just your based on what on you've this. seen. Yeah, I can go ahead and share my hot take again. I, I shared this last time we, we got together for a podcast. But, yes, James Bradbury will be and is better than Josh Norman, especially second-year James Bradbury compared to second-year Josh Norman. It's it's not even a comparison if you take Josh Norman in his second year in the league. I also believe that Josh Norman is overrated. He definitely needs a – he's definitely a uh... – a scheme guy. Like you can't put him in just like straight. He's got to be in a more of a cover three. Zone he has situation. to be in a cover three shell where he can just be on one guy. He cannot be inserted into any defense in the league and succeed. He's not Deion Sanders. He's not, um, you know, Darrell Revis. He's not any of these players. And plus he's like 42 years old. So, um, you know, I guess to the TLDR version, to answer your question, yes. He's also, uh, I'll get into this more when I give you guys my whole weekend summary of my experience at training camp, but his his attitude is so much easier to palate than Josh Norman's was, or is, depending on your situation. And my whole thing with uh, Bradbury to... uh interject my opinion is that he he's been working hard on press coverage he's been working hard on you know zone coverage but that guy is so similar to Josh Norman he's just he's a long corner he's a tall guy he's got he knows how to work the routes and he's not forcing interceptions but he's forcing pass deflections they look him Which, and him and Norman look exactly the same on the field in the same number. They really do. They're the same build. They really do. They're the same size. They're the same number. They're the same like the way they move. Pretty similarly, it's like he might as well be the same person on the field, other than without the theatrics. And the thing about it is the intellectual part of the game, where like you predict the route or you predict what's going to happen. And he's done that against Kelvin Benjamin and against um, against um, Devin Punches. You know, he's made some plays based on straight prediction against those guys in uh, training camp. So oh, I, I look it. at him and I see a guy who's like a lot further along than Norman was with the same skill set. Two years in, I mean, like Norman didn't really come to his own until like what three and a half years into the league. Just about where. Bradbury seems like he's coming into his own because, I mean, who covers Kelvin Benjamin and swats a pass away? Who's not a starting corner in the NFL? Not very many. I mean, even though Benjamin has a very limited way to win, 
not very many people are breaking up passes where he has a chance to go up and get it uh, above them. That's one thing he's good at for sure. Bradbury's definitely going to be good. Definitely. I agree that. So let's let's move on to our surprise guys. So what I want to talk about is the guys that surprised you in training camp. So I'll start with you, uh, John. Who surprised you the most in training camp? Who is somebody that you see that could make the roster or even just could make an impact for the Panthers' uh, regular season that you wouldn't have expected three months ago? I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to let you go first this time. Oh, okay. So we don't steal your answers this time. I have my answer, but I'll let you go first, even if you steal it. Well, my answer would be Vernon Butler. Um, oh, that's the curse of, of, of Brian. You, you mentioned him as your surprise player, and then there he goes and gets hurt. Way to go. I mean, he has been hurt, yes, <laughs> but he's shown well over the last, obviously, last season he did well at times, and uh, in the preseason he's been hurt. But that dude's first step is arguably better than Kwan Short's first step. Whoa! Whoa! Sound the alarm! (laughs) Hot take alert. I wouldn't call that a hot take. It's true, though. Like, that was his... Like, when he was in the draft, that was the big thing that I heard about him, was that his first step was so fast as a defensive lineman. And even if it's not not better than... Man, come on. (laughs) But even if it's not better than K1 Schwartz, even if it's, like around the same level, you got two guys who can make that first step and beat an offensive lineman and get the sack. I mean, Butler has sounded like when he's a very good defensive tackle and rusher in camp. So when he's healthy, Carolina has K1 short, Charles Hulay and Vernon Butler. That's a pretty good defensive tackle rotation. I mean, not a lot of teams have a a rotation like that. So to suddenly throw this guy in for him to rush the passer, that's going to cause problems, especially since like a lot of interior NFL offensive lines are not that great at blocking that. You got to, you got, you got to protect against one. Is it K1 short or is it Butler? You know, I just hope he stays healthy because he's, he's been in the league two years and he's already had multiple injury issues. So that's a, not a good thing. But if he's on the if he can stay on the field, I agree with everything you said. It's just the health thing needs to get better. Yeah, yep. it, it is a little concerning that he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And it's only and it's and then on top of that, their lower body injuries, and that's concerning when he's a large dude. It's harder for them. Yeah. That's that's a tougher thing. But hopefully, his injury right now is minor, and he'll be back. I don't know what the timetable was. I think he might be good for the regular season, right? I think so. I think it's only going to be like, like two or three weeks. Okay, that's good. Which it was weird. So, Brad, uh, who's your who's your guy that's been most surprising for you in the in the uh, training camp parts of this preseason? Well, my guy actually makes the coaching staff's decision making a little bit more difficult because uh, I'm going to go with Kalen Clay, the wide receiver. He He's looked pretty good in the limited time he's been on the field, and he not only looks good as a wide receiver, he also looks good as a punt returner. So, and I, I, 
I apologize in advance, but he does look like he might be the one to take Brenton Burson's spot on the roster. He's so fast. No. Caleb Clay is I mean, he fast. is very fast. If if the if the coaching staff wants to add speed to to the roster, uh, you can't go wrong with with a trio of Curtis Samuel, Demir Bird, and Kalen Clay. And then when you add that to um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Punches, who have size, and then Russell Shepard, who is a good route runner. That's a really good group of wide receivers. And it has a, a, a wide range of skills. It's not it's yeah. not like a, a couple of years ago when we first ran very it's like, we're just going to collect all the six foot five, two 240-pound receivers that run 4'8", 40s, and we're just going to be bigger than you. And we learned that didn't yeah. work so good. <coughs> all right, John, so who's your uh... – Who's your player you're watching right now? Not Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, the fact that he's playing left tackle and not being terrible at it is pretty cool. Um, not what I would have expected when we cut him for being a bad left guard. So it's nice to see him. little redemption story. Future 30 for 30. Yeah. Yeah, well, he played left tackle in college. I mean, granted, it was like, you know, the Northeastern Dentist School of, of, the, arts. Know, of the Arts or some crap. But, you know, he played left tackle in college. So it, I never understood why they switched him to guard in the first place. It never made sense. Well, and, you know, if you ever, he also is not Alshon Jeffrey. If you ever watch um, any draft coverage, uh, any tackle that doesn't play – and like left tackle at the premier college should kick inside the guard uh, when they get to the NFL. I swear, eighty percent of tackle prospects in the NFL draft like, yeah, he's probably gonna have to kick inside the guard because his arms are quarter inch too short. But uh, he's not a bad prospect. And then yeah. maybe they should actually just stay the position they played their whole life, and they might be better. That, yeah, it's a that weird usually works out better. But it might might be the case. Worth a shot, right? Try them at the position yeah. they've always played. Maybe they'll be better. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially if you're going to draft him over Alshon Jeffrey. You know, the least you could do is let him play the position he played in college. You know, with Alshon Jeffrey's injuries, has he really been that bad of a a miss, though? I mean, I know he's really good, but he's on the injury report every single week. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the biggest Alshon homer, you know, that's not related to him. Um it's really sad that he's been injured as much as he has because he's really freaking good. And if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, the Eagles are going to end up with a steal because they got him on a one-year deal. So uh, if he can be healthy, that he might actually make Carson Wentz into a good quarterback. See, I'm glad you said that because um, I'm in the camp that Carson Wentz has been severely overrated because he had like two good games when nobody knew how he played and then was mediocre to bad for the last like 12 games of last season. And everybody kind of forgot, like didn't pay attention to that. They just already decided that he's good. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And, um, he's like Joe Flacco. He had two good games. Yeah. And in Joe Flacco's case, it was three and everybody thinks he's, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks. It just so happened that Joe Flacco's good game was the super, you know, was the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Well, it's like, you know, they say like you only have one chance to make a first impression. So Carson Wentz's first impression is like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. And then that's what everybody, that's what sticks in everybody's head. They cling, everybody clings to the first piece of information they get, <clears throat> and then he can he can just write that first impression as he 
plummets to, like, a 79 passer rating and throws, like, 14 touchdowns all season. But he's the next big thing, future superstar, and all that jazz. Yeah. Now, I'll give him credit for one thing. He's better than Goff. That's I mean, that's very true. That's not saying much, but he is better than Goff. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how far we want to get into this, but that was something I did want to talk about at some point, either on this episode or next episode. Um, I didn't see Mahomes yet, but Trubisky, Kaiser, and Watson all looked much better than last year's rookie quarterback class, aside from Dak Prescott. Yeah, they, they did. And Mahomes actually looked pretty good, too. I watched a little bit of that yesterday on, on NFL Network. They were showing the replay of it. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't pay that much attention to it, but he was moving the ball. So, that, that's that's See, that's better than last year's class. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to hear about my training camp stories before we get too far off track? Yes. Okay. Yeah, do it. All right. So, if you follow CSR Snaps – then you saw a lot of this over the weekend. If you don't follow CSR Snaps on Snapchat, you better add it right this second. I'll, I'll give you a second. All right, that's your time to add it. Okay, so <clears throat> Saturday they had practice in the stadium, which has its pros and cons. Um, I liked it just because everything's on one field, so it's easy to see what's going on. And on top of that, uh, being up in the stadium makes it easy to kind of like look down and see everything, especially like when they're doing. They did a lot of eleven on elevens and seven on sevens for these last two days of practice, and it's nice up in the crowd. It's a lot easier up in the stands. It's a lot easier to see what's going on. But um, a couple of things that stood out. Uh, Bradbury had a pick six. We were talking about him earlier. He had a pick six on Derek Anderson on the goal line. Uh, I can't remember who the receiver was, but it was like a little out route. As a pylon, as a front pylon, and Jam- and Bradbury picked it and led a convoy of people down the field. Would have been a pick six. Um, this is a, this is a fun one. Uh, Teddy Williams was actually pretty good. Like both days, he made a lot of pass breakups and stuff. At least from what I saw, I couldn't see everything, but I saw him making a bunch of pass breakups on uh, receivers of all teams. Um, Christian McCaffrey. This is this. I think. I told you guys this when we were in our in our chat. Uh, we line up in the Wildcat a lot, and there was one play that we did where we lined up McCaffrey in the Wildcat, and we had Stewart next to him. So it was almost like McCaffrey's in the shotgun, and McCaffrey just took the snap and just did an outside toss sweep to Jonathan Stewart. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen a team run a uh, toss sweep where the running back takes a snap and tosses it to the other running back. Uh, am I alone in not ever seeing that before? No, you're not alone. I've never seen that before either. Just an interesting little wrinkle. Um, I saw people. I saw a couple questions about McCaffrey and the Wildcat. Like, why do we even need to do that if Cam can run? Um, all the looks I've seen of McCaffrey and the Wildcat, none of it was just McCaffrey taking a snap and running straight forward. All of it had some sort of either some sort of misdirection. Either a lot of times it was Demir Bird coming across the formation and McCaffrey having a chance to either hand it off or take it up the middle. So. I like that aspect of it. That's a lot of speed going in different directions that defenses have to account for. Uh, we d- I did McCaffrey did fumble one though. That was a no. That was that was not good. There was one fumbled exchange. bust. One fumbled exchange from the running back to a wide receiver. Uh, he's a bust. Cut yeah, him. He's not good at handoffs. At giving handoffs, you need to fix that. Um, the other thing we didn't see it at all in the preseason, but McCaffrey 
like catching passes, uh, they throw to him a lot in the in the eleven on elevens in practice. Uh, Cam and Anderson both like he's they did like a two minute drill type of practice thing, and I think three or four passes in a row to start off was McCaffrey. All of them were coming out of the backfield, but uh, I think he's going to be really really heavily utilized. Like they look like they're trying to get him the ball as much as possible in as many different ways as possible. And I think that, I think it's a good call. I, I agree with that line of thinking. Um, let's see, what else did I get? Uh, also on the Snapchat, you know, I don't know what that thing is called that the kickers use when they're kicking by themselves, a little stand that they use to hold the ball for them. But um, Butker was going first, and he made it back to 61. His first one was a little short, and the second one he just put over the crossbar. And as he was doing that, Gano was working his way back. And Gano just had to show him up, made it from 61, like easily cleared it from 61, moved back to 65, drilled it again on his first try, moved it back to 67, and again drilled it on his first try. So <clears throat> Gano, uh, as inaccurate as he is, the ball just flies off his foot. So that was... Yeah, that's why I wish we could have, like the old days when we had two kickers on the roster, you had a kickoff guy and a field goal kicker you know i wish we could still do that and you know maybe if the nfl goes back to you know or even goes to letting teams dress all 53 players for game day maybe we'll see that sometime in the future but it would be nice to be able to take advantage of gano's you know ability if we had to a, kick the ball out of the back of the end zone if gano could be the kickoff guy and guy for kicks like over 50 or whatever and then and so on and so forth. Have like an accuracy guy and a distance guy like a lot of college teams do. Um, yeah. And then they both, they went to uh, like actual like snap and hold and stuff and they both went back to 59 and they both made it on their first try. But uh, Butkers came out super low. Like it might have been dropped if it uh, might have been blocked if he had gone against live action. But um, enough of that boring football stuff. I'm going to tell you guys about the, uh, the gnome signings. <laughs> so uh practice ended and we went over to the where like a lot of the players signed and we we're just kind of getting a feel for who's around and the first guy i saw was alex arma and he didn't have a whole lot of people around him so it's like hey alex you want to sign this gnome and his reaction was what i imagined greg olson's was when you guys what you guys have told me he he looked so perplexed and i handed him the gnome and he like looked at it Every single side of the gnome, like, I don't know where I'm supposed to sign this thing. And then finally he signed the hat. <clears throat> He's just grinning the whole time. And then we walked uh, we walked further down, and we saw McCaffrey. I did not get a chance to get McCaffrey to sign the gnome. He's kind of a hot git for his uh, autographs. Really? Yes. That's a surprise. But the thing about McCaffrey, I did, we did get him to sign a hat with uh, the help of another person. I don't know why they decided to take our hat and hand it to him to sign for us, but I appreciate it if you're listening. Many, many thanks. But um, he seems to genuinely enjoy interacting with the fans. Like, he had his own marker. He had something he had already signed that he, like, pulled out of, like, he had tucked into the back of his pants that he pulled out and handed to somebody. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, uh, he was taking a bunch of selfies with everybody that was handing him their phones and stuff. So he, he was really, you could tell he genuinely enjoyed hanging out with everybody and doing and signing and interacting with people and stuff. But uh, we got the hat signed, and then we went down. Thomas Davis was signing. Uh, I asked TJ Davis to sign the gnome, and he was so confused. 
He's like, with me? And I and I got him, I handed him the gnome and the marker, and he like looked at me like, am I supposed to give this to to my dad? And I'm like, no, you, you sign it. And I want you to sign it. And he's like, me? Like, yeah, sign it. And he like, he got so excited, and he's like grinning from ear to ear, and he just wrote his name, like in regular like print, he wrote his name on the arm of the gnome. <laughs> so like the shoulder, awesome. the gnome's shoulder has TJ <laughs> Davis written in standard like print handwriting. Um, but it, I just, that was my favorite signature to get because he was just so excited to sign something i doubt he's ever had anybody ask him to sign something before and then uh he handed it back to me and then um thomas davis senior signed it too uh thomas davis did not say a word the entire time even with the gnome did i could have handed him a sheet of paper with a pencil he would have the same reaction as he did he has a gnome with a metallic sharpie that's because he's a professional he's very professional he he's serious he's it was. He he looked ready to go home. Um, Bradbury. Bradbury's super polite. That was what stood out to me. Like, like I said with Thomas Davis, a lot of the guys like they don't. There's everybody's yelling at them, so they don't. They just kind of like stay quiet and they don't say much. James Bradbury replied to every single person that said like, "Thanks, James. Good luck with this season. All this stuff." He replied to everybody saying like, "Appreciate it. You're welcome. All that stuff." I was like, "Hey, Lee, sign this gnome." He's like, "Yeah, I got you." And he signed the gnome. Appreciate it, and he said no problem. Like he's super polite but super quiet, so that was cool. Um, Austin Duke is super friendly. Also, he signed it. He gave me a fist bump. Told him appreciate him representing my alma mater in UNC Charlotte, and he's like appreciate all y'all, all y'all for your support. He's super friendly. Um, I haven't washed my hands since then because he accidentally made a mark on my fit my hand with the uh, with the fist bump while he's holding the sharpie. So I'm just gonna have to shower <laughs> with the bag on my hand for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, unless he gets cut, then you can wash it. No, off. that doesn't matter. Uh, who else did I get? Oh, Harrison Butker. Uh, got him to sign the butt as as was requested. Of course. <laughs> and I handed him the gnome, and I was like, "You gotta sign the butt because you butt kick. You gotta sign the butt." And he just shook his head the entire time, and didn't know how to handle it. And he finally found a spot to sign it along the butt, and he did it. He was a good sport about it, though. So, uh. Props to him for signing the butt of a gnome. But I guess that's what you sign up for when you make your Twitter handle butt kicker. And I think that covers just about everybody that I saw signing. Um, Demir Bird signed again for everybody in that same spot. When we were there, he went back further um, away from where everybody else is signing, kind of on his own. So he got to, he kind of had his own crowd of people he was signing for. But it was it was definitely a much better signing day than when we went the first time. So that was that was it was nice. The gnome the gnome has got signings on it, which is always good. We didn't want that empty gnome going back going back home. I think that now what what was that what was that? <clears throat> I was saying Walker would have been disappointed. Oh, he he's very disappointed. Uh. If if we didn't get the gnome signed, I I I was trying to be I was not being picky at all because I know when we were looking at the gnome the first time around, uh, it was like the only two people that had signed the gnome and like what was what was the year you guys went, Brad, two thousand fourteen? Yeah, and and then only people that had signed the gnome that were still on the team were Greg Olson and Britton Burson. Yep, and that included like Danny Morrison and Dave Gettleman. And yeah, stuff. Dave <laughs> Gettleman signed it. Danny Morrison signed it. I mean, there were. <laughs> All a gone. bunch of players who signed it that aren't on the team anymore. But, yeah, the only two who are still left are Olsen and Burson. Of course. 
the the ageless ones. And then, so I, I figured it'd be fun to have this to look back on the same thing, seeing if like Alex Arma and Austin Duke and and all of them how long they last, and maybe the first ever Panthers autograph for TJ Davis. Might be. It's, look at that in 15 years, and TJ Davis is, is an NFL player, and uh, we got his name signed when he was nine. The funny thing is, is no one will ever believe that he really signed it because if he just printed his name, I mean, anybody can just get a nine-year-old kid to print TJ Davis on a gnome. I will say this. So, I will say this. His handwriting on that gnome is better than my handwriting on like paper and pen. So that's that was a little disappointing. Wow. Damn. <laughs> but good for him. Like I said, that's my favorite. My favorite autograph. Because just from his his genuine like how how excited he was to actually get to sign something. So that's a uh, training camp stories from John for uh, the last two days of camp. Um, it's a good time. I highly recommend anybody that hasn't gone out to go out. Anything? Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. Um, so I guess we'll. Uh... We'll end it off with this. So uh, I'll start with BW. Um, who are you most excited for come week one? As far as Panthers players, who am I most excited to see? I mean, if you want to name opponents players, it's fine. But yeah, Panthers players, preferably. Um, Demir Bird. I want to see what he can do. I want to see him get a game jersey, and I want to see him – you know, beats somebody deep. Nobody expects him to be open because, you know, he's just a mere bird. Uh, but I want to see him beat somebody for a touchdown like he did against Houston. When he beat him like a drum. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, Johnny, who do you think, who are you excited to see? Um, uh, my favorite, my person I'm most excited to see is Cam Newton. Go ahead. Elaborate on that. No. No? Just straight no. <laughs> no, uh, no. I just... Because he hasn't thrown at all, and I think everybody's concerned. And I think, I don't know, the little bit I've seen him throw, he's looked really good, even if he doesn't have the zip as he's getting better. Um, we haven't seen him at 100% in a long time. And I just, even, like, those last few games are kind of what stick out with all the, oh, he hasn't completed 50% of his passes in forever. Uh, I'm just excited to see fully healthy Cam Newton with players that might actually make it easy for him to throw it to. All right. Valid point. I'll go with uh, Julius Peppers because Peppers is essentially a co-star alongside Mario Addison and Charles Johnson. So what I expect to see is him rotating in with both of them as a defensive end. And the Panthers' defense have been raving about him, and he's what thirty-seven now, like I, something like that. It's Julius. Pretty funny speaking of Peppers. Uh, it was hard to tell on or on Sunday because they play, they practiced in that far field again, so I couldn't see everybody that was participating in the, the drills. But uh, on Saturday, I swear Julius Peppers was on the field for like eight plays the entire practice. Like he did very little work, which I guess makes sense when you're like one of the best ever and you're 37 years old. But it's just funny to me that Peppers basically was on the sideline almost the entire practice. I mean, the guy has already proven what yeah. he's got. Yeah, no reason for him to wear himself out. He's still he's still beating young guys like Daryl Williams, so I'm excited to see what they use, what they do oh, with him as a rotational sure. pass rusher in that Mario Addison role. 
that's what I'm the most excited to see because he's not going to be the uh, three-down starter that he used to be. He's going to be the guy that they throw out there in pass rushing situations. And a fresh Julius Peppers up against most offensive tackles in the NFL is going to be a problem. So oh, yeah. I'm pretty I, excited for that. He did. That, that, now that you mentioned that, there was one play I remember. I specifically remember that he went in. It's, it's, it's a storm here. Uh, specifically remember that he went in and – he came in, went into, he went and played left end, went up against Daryl Williams, and just destroyed Daryl Williams on the one play he went in for, and then he came and sat back down. So it's Julius I, Peppers, man, I'm looking forward to this season. He just sits out for a couple plays, like, hey, we need to sack, go get one, Julius, and then he'll go in there and wreak some havoc for a couple plays, and then get a breather. Yep, yep. Anything else you guys so want any- to talk about? Yeah, any final thoughts? I mean, we have our podcast coming up on Thursday, so we'll have a lot to talk about then as well. But yeah, any closing thoughts between you guys? I'll start with UBW. Uh, no, I think John pretty much covered everything I was going to say. Um, oh, sorry. No, no problem, no problem. <laughs> um, you know, I am looking forward to talking about the Texans game, but like we're going to do that later, you know, next time we get together. So I'll have much more to say then. Oh yeah, so your will, thoughts are redundant. Good, to, good to hear. We have no original yeah, thoughts here. here. I have, yeah, I have none. I, I'm not. I'm a thought aggregator. I don't provide original thoughts. <laughs> I have a couple things. Yeah, I'm, uh, a couple things that I want to talk about from the Texans game and just other preseason things around the NFL. We'll watch the Titans game before we record on Thursday, so I can get an idea of uh, what to look forward to then. Plus, apparently, it was the worst game in the history of football games, so that'll be. Uh, exhilarating to watch. Um, my other final thing I wanted to say, this is just kind of a camp summary that I saw a lot of, and I meant to talk about this maybe last time, maybe I'm not. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin is not a tight end, and he will never be a tight end, and you need to stop suggesting that he'll be a tight end. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about all episode, but it's just something I see a lot of, and I want to discourage But he that. weighs 260 pounds. He does not. I thought he weighed 300 pounds. Actually, he doesn't anymore, but he did. It, it's like it's like, it's like like a video game way of thinking. So you know how like you have a video game, and you have a player, and they have a number rating. So it's like Kelvin Benjamin is like an 82 wide receiver. But maybe if you switch his position on Madden to tight end, he's now like an 84. And I feel like that's the line of thinking people say. Like, well, if we call him a tight end, he's better than other tight ends. Like, just because we call him a tight end, he will still do the exact same things he does for us now. Like he's not going to suddenly get better at blocking or know how to block in line or know how to or anything like that if we just label him a tight end. He's a wide receiver. He's going to be a wide receiver, and uh, just just let it leave it at that. And the important thing to remember with Benjamin is that you can line up line him up in the slot as a wide receiver. Yeah, but he can essentially function as a second tight end in that sense. But oh, yeah. you don't want him lining up in line. Yeah, and I think Carolina addressed a lot of their issues with the whole, like, let's compliment Greg Olson with a uh, Christian McCaffrey in combination with Greg Olson, or excuse me, with uh, Kelvin Benjamin, because Benjamin is a guy where you line up the slot with a wide receiver or with a linebacker. That linebacker is not going to be able to cover him. I don't care who it is. Yeah, he not even Luke Keekley can cover him. Like the guy is six foot six, you know. Yeah. So. You, you put him in those situations to succeed, but you're not necessarily making him a tight end. So yeah. I agree. I don't think Benjamin's a tight end at all. I mean, he's a guy who can block defensive backs and put them on their, on their butts, but he's not 
somebody who can like level a linebacker yeah. in one on one blocking situations. So I agree. I definitely agree. But yeah, we um, line up like you said. We line up in the slot. He functions as like a move tight end, and we've done that a plenty. Have him in the slot where he can box out corners on hook slants and things like that. Uh, we don't have to yep. call him a tight end for us to use him like that, and we never will call him a tight end because that's just yeah useless. Like we said, all I can say is on fourth and short, I could count on Kelvin Benjamin to make that catch just because of his size and where they line him up at. But yeah, I mean, anyway, it's uh, we got a lot more to say next podcast. But any closing thoughts for the two of you? I that was that was my last thing. Was uh yeah, I thought uh, we it was did a good point. It thoughts. was a good point, and I think we'll I think we'll uh, address that a little bit more in the next one. But so, yeah, we'll see you guys Friday. See you guys Friday. Hopefully we make this conversion this time and actually do it. I'm sorry I was in DC, but we'll make it happen. So Oh yeah, we probably should have yeah. let off with that. You know, like, hey guys, this is why we didn't have an episode on Friday. But here's your explanation. Yeah, that would have probably <laughs> been a good idea. Well, no, we'll... no. I mean, like, I have my own life and like you guys you guys just need to, to not judge me for having my own time off. I mean, like, I can have my time and Go do what I want to, and you know we just... do we do two podcasts, and you're already trying to take time off. You already think seriously, time. I wasn't paid for it, so I don't care. That's oh well, you need to work. You need to figure that out. If you're not getting your, where, you didn't get your paycheck. All right, BW, give me that PTO, and next time I'll make sure to <laughs> to let our audience know that I was off for a reason. So, but yes, I'm nope, the entire we'll reason see. why the podcast didn't happen last Thursday. I was in DC having a good time. I apologize. Not really, though. I'm not sorry at all. But you We know. owe you guys nothing. We owe you nothing because this is our third episode, and I didn't mess up the entry this time. So. Oh, yeah, we should have done that, too. A lot of errors. I guess we messed up by not messing up because we said we were going to do that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Can't even, we can't even screw up <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, catch us on Thursday, or I should say Friday. Um, we'll have some more information for you guys, but hope you enjoyed the show. Later. 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 I said I always remember the wood cracking beneath my feet in a busy street. I never said I was angry, but I think I'm still in misery. But it's what I needed, and it took me by surprise. Sometimes I think I'm baffled. Another day I was selfish, it reminds me of my wasted youth, and all the ones and twos. I try to live in the moment, it reminds me of the time we spent, trapped in your apartment. We attract what we're ready for, it's something I can't ignore, sometimes I think I'm out
Number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.